Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osman, here with my friend, Chabruta Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masachet Kiddushin, daf nun gimel, page 53. Well, I think we have a brisa on Amad Aleph that basically takes up the entire Amad. Um, and in order to understand what exactly this very long brace is doing here, we actually have to start at the bottom of Nun Bet Amad Bet, um, which brings in a different brisa. And the Brisa there teaches the following. Tanya was taught in a Brisa. Rabbi Yehuda Omer Mikudeshet. Rabbi Yossi Omer Enam Mikudeshet. So they're talking about the case where a woman is, uh, a Kohen tries to uh, do Kedushan with a woman with a portion of the offering that he gets. And Rabbi Yehuda says that's valid and they would be, uh, Kedushan would take hold. And Rabbi, Rabbi Yossi says Enam. The Gemara now wants to explain what these two viewpoints are. I'm a Rabbi Yochanan. So Rabbi Yochanan says, Both Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi are basically explaining the same pasuk. This is a pasuk from Bamidbar, chapter 18, uh, verse 9, which says, Right, meaning to, telling the Kohanim that this portion shall be yours of the Kodesh Kedoshim by fire. Rabbi Yehuda sabar lacha ulakot sarcheha. So Rabbi Yehuda says, when it says it's yours, it means any of your needs. So in other words, the coin can use it for whatever they want, even for Kedushin. But Rabbi Yossi, Sabar Rabbi Yossi says that the word means it's like the fire on the Mizbeach. Meaning just as the fire is there just so that it consumes something, so too the coin's portion is there for eating, right? And it, it shouldn't be there for any other use. So now the Gemara is going to get into an Amr. So that's explaining these two Tanaim. Rabbi Yochanan continues and says, Amr Rabbi Yochanan, and now we're finally on our depth. They took count on this and they concluded. In other words, they needed to figure out, you know, everyone in the majority, you know, they counted who was in the majority and the minority even retracted their opinion so that it became, right, the Gamru. It was unanimous. Hamnikadesh Bechalko, somebody betrothes a woman with his portion, whether it's the kachim kalim or the kachim, uh, the kachim or the kachim kalim. So this has to do with, these are different levels of uh, mizbeachs that would be given, okay? Lo kidech, he is not, uh, he, he, it is not a valid kedushin. Um, and so that essentially, we don't follow the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, we follow the opinion of Rabbi Yossi. Barav says, nope, this actually stole machlokas. Rabbi Yehuda didn't actually agree with Rabbi Yossi, and this actually stole machlokas. And then Abai says, Amar Abai, Kabate de Rabbi Yochanan Mistabre. Rabbi Yochanan's view that Rabbi Yehuda sort of eventually went over to Rabbi Yossi's side, right, makes more sense. To Tanya, and now this is why they quote this ginormously long brysa, okay? And what they want to do is, they're, they quote the entire Brisa uh, in order to make the point uh, that Rabbi Yehuda actually uh, did agree. Um, and uh, the way he does this is, uh, is, is that, so let's just go through the Brisa. I'm going to talk about it out loud, right? The Brisa basically goes through a different bunch of scenarios that, you know, what are the different types of offerings uh, that, in other words, could you take two different types of offerings and sort of make them a group together and then divide that up with the Kohanim. So in other words, because you take mincha offerings um, with zvachim, meaning slaughtered offerings, and can you divide them up together? And they bring a pasuk to show why you can. 
And then it goes on to say, um, you know, you might have thought that maybe you couldn't take the mincha offerings and combine it with bird offerings. And again, they'll bring a pasuk to say why you can. And then it goes on to say, you know, dividing bird offerings with zvachim, with the slaughter offerings. And again, they'll bring a pasuk to say why you can. So they, they sort of go through all these different types of uh, categories. And then finally, at the end, it says, right? You might have thought that the, the Kohanim cannot divide one offering against another in the Kodesh, in the Koche Kochim, but they can with Kochim Kalim, Tamud Lamar, so they quote a Pasuk, each Ke'achad, every man alike, Bisamichle im al right? And it says also, if he shall offer it for a Toda, see, al Toda for a Toda offering, to teach, Kishem Shein Cholkim Bakache Kachim, so it teaches just as you can't divide against in the Kache Kachim. You also can't divide with the Kachim Kalim. And then it goes on to say, each, right, every man, each cholek afilu baumun, right? A man, an adult, can share in the offerings with the Kohanim, even if he has a moon, meaning it's not someone who could necessarily participate in the Avoda. But a the offering with, an, with the Kohanim, even if he is unblemished. And now what Abai is going to say is, is that he wants to prove in this price that Rabbi Yehuda must have agreed that a Kohen cannot do Kedushim with a woman with his portion of an offering because he bases this on the fact that this Brisa is, is quoted in the Sifra, okay? And that, that's what this next, the Sifra was called the Taurus Kohanim, which was basically a bunch of bright totes that explain, um, uh, that explain uh, uh, Bayikra, okay? So it says, Stan Siframani, who is the author of all the anonymous opinions that are in the Sifra? Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda. And he states in this brisa that there's no legal basis for at all for dividing one offering against another. In other words, he basically holds that the Kohanim uh, don't have, they just divide everything as they want to divide it because uh, you know, uh, and, and they don't have to worry about like the, the combination issue. And because this Brisa is quoted, and that's what we see from this Brisa, and it's quoted in the Sifri, Sifra with no name. And we know that Rabbi Yehuda is who authored any Brisa that's in the Sifra without any name, Shmami not. What we learned from this is Rabbi Yehuda must have retracted the, 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 the Brisa that was quoted on the bottom of Nun Bet Amud Bet. And based on that, he actually does hold that if a coin wants to do Kedushin with a woman with his portion of an offering, it would be allowed. Um, so, you know, very, very interesting discussion that they have here because, you know, like where, how Abai learns this is something that you sort of would just have to know about the Sifra. Like it's not bringing a traditional proof where it's saying like, oh, we have a ton of statement that proves that Rabbi Yehuda holds this other way. It has to do with the authorship of other books and where things are quoted. Um, and I don't think we've seen something like this yet in, in any of our study of Daphne yet. So I wanted to read it because it's sort of a different type of proof than what we've seen previously. Yeah, I don't think we've seen anything quite like this before. I also just want to make a comment about the Sifra, right? Meaning usually these collections of Midrash are, or not usually, very often they get into a Gadata and you find some of that, right? 
But because Vayikra is so much law in the book of Leviticus to begin with, then the Midrashic interpre- interpretations of the text line up kind of nicely with the halachic portions in the Gemara, right? Because it's a halachic, it's a halachic biblical book, so it ends up getting halachic midrashic interpretation, and then you know it works here to be this parallel text that provides a defense or an explanation exactly when they wanted it. I found it interesting also that this right it, it kind of is treated for a long time. Like they take it very very seriously. It's not you know very often we say like oh just a breakdown as compared to the Mishnah, which is you know, usually much more authoritative, but they're giving it, a, a, you know, a good amount of attention. Yes, I agree. And, uh, and you know, I also like the way they quote the entire Brisa, uh, it, you know, to make the point. But again, it's, 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 you have to understand authorship and that's why authorship is always important. Right. Okay. So I'm going to go, as we, as we've just all said this, you know, about the Brita, of course, then the Gemara continues and goes back to the Mishnah to explicate the Mishnah text. So the, I'm at the bottom or towards the bottom of Ahmed Aleph, Maser Shani, Ben Bishogeg, Ben Bemezid, Lo Kidesh, Divi Rebbe Meir, Rebbe Hudo Meir, Shogeg, Lo Kidesh, Mezid Kidesh. Right. We had these different cases in the Mishnah. And this one in particular was about the Maser Shani, the second tithing, and the, the person takes their produce, right, and sanctifies it and brings it to Yerushalayim, um, or brings the, they sanctify it, right, they redeem that sanctity onto money, and then they take that money to Jerusalem and eat the a meal purchased with that money um, in Jerusalem, right, like with with Kedusha, with sanctity. Um, that's the second tithe to begin with. So now what happens if you take that same produce or that money for that matter, right, which it has that second tithe, second tithe sanctity, and and here it says, Ben Bishogeg, Ben Bemezid, right? This is the question, whether the person inadvertently uses that same item to be betrothed the woman or intentionally does so. So Rabbi Mayer says either way, it doesn't work. You cannot use the second tithe as a means of betrothing a woman and Rabbi Yehuda says, if he didn't, if he didn't mean to do it, right, then it doesn't count. And if he did mean to do it, it does count. Betrothal works. Of course, that's the big question. So the question is, you know, where, how, how is this all derived? Where do we draw these conclusions about Master Shani to begin with? Which is a funny way to say it, right? Rav Acha, the son of Rava, says in the name of what does it mean in Gemara? It means really that this was a trend, tradition that was handed down, uh, you know, as opposed to, listen, they, they, whenever they can, they want to give it in the name of the person who said it. It, it. This goes back apparently long enough or far enough that they don't quite have a name source. And so this is a statement, right? It's from the verse in Vayikra in Leviticus, Chapter twenty-seven that says all of the tithings of the of the ground of the land, of the of the seed of the land and of the fruits of the land they go to God they are sanctified to God and then the Gemara says Lashem hu bo isha, meaning that is dedicated to God and you don't get to use it for your human mundane purposes like betrothing a woman right it has to go it has to only be treated as consecrated property again whether you're using it to, to eat B'Kedushah in Jerusalem or if it goes to the Quran or whatever it's going to be. So the Gemara goes on, 
So then the question is, well, what about the truma to maser, which is a different category, right? That's the truma of the maser that the levium would give to the kohanim. What happens then? Could you use that, right? Dechtiv, kein tarimu gama tem trumat Hashem. So we have another verse. This one's in the, the book of Numbers, that Bamidbar, that you'll set apart this gift to, or gift of, to, for God from all the tithing. Utsanan, ha-mekadesh But one second, we have a breita, meaning elsewhere, or, yeah, where it doesn't provide the exact source, and it wasn't in our Mishnah now, that says if you use truma, then that is, in fact, a, a, it works as kiddushin. So the Gemara says, it's different. Why? It does say that it's a trumat Hashem. It is a gift of God, let's say, as opposed to a gift to God. And that very slight grammatical difference is all you need, really, to say that this is a different kind of thing than the Maser Shani, that Maser Shani does not work for betrothal, and whereas, um, whereas Trumat Maser can work. So then the Gemara says, what about Chala, right? We talked about this here, Dan, I think you talked about this. Chala, the portion of dough that you take aside, you know, you bake bread, and you take a small portion aside. What about Chala, where it says explicitly, you say that you give it to God. And likewise there, with regard to Chala, it said specifically that it would be, if you use that for betrothal, it would work. The Kodesh. And so now we have a different reason why this one doesn't work, right? This one, Chala does, I'm sorry, why why this one isn't included in the category of those that do not work. Chala, if you use Chala for betrothal, it'll work. Why? Because even though it says to Hashem, it doesn't say holy, so it doesn't have that like double whammy that removes it where, you, where then the Gemara, as we just saw, says, oh, but that's for God and not for betrothing a woman. Now the Gemara asks of Harei Shvit, what about produce of the sabbatical year, a Shemitah year? Harei Shvit, Yovel Hi Kodesh We have both the word of Kodesh and the word, uh, let's see, it should be holy to you. We said that if you use the produce from the Shemitah year, it would actually work, but the would work. It doesn't say the word Lashem, so you're okay, meaning it'll work. By truma, what about regular truma? Dechtiv Kodesh Yisrael Lashem Reshit Tvuato. There it does say Lashem. That verse is from Jeremiah. Utsinan Amakadesh, but truma Amakadesh, it would work. Betrothal, and again, it's going to say Hahu be Yisrael Ktiv Velavmi Melashmat Mina. Says you're talking here about specifically with regard to the Jewish people. They're called you know, that they're referred to as God's portion, God's holy portion. It isn't talking about truma. It isn't talking about the item that you would use for betrothal. And so the verse says, well, one second, don't you understand that anyway, right? Don't we learn this from within the verse itself? Truma, Rabin, Saba, Kamedarav. So what happens is they end up, I'm sorry, Tirgma. I'm sorry, this is a visual issue. Tirgma, Rabin, Saba, Kamedarav. Rabin, the elder, right? He came to explain all this or translate it before Rav. Amarkra, hu bahaviato yehe. And so the difference here is it says, you know, it is, it is, who? It is for God. And therefore, it should be, again, it should be considered as consecrated. Um, the Gemara is going to go on. It co- continues, 
even to talk about the case of Hektesh, which was in the Mishnah. But the bottom line is that on the one hand, it raises the question against the Master Shani case to say, shouldn't all these other things also not work the same way that Master Shani doesn't work? And each time there's a loophole, there's an explanation as why it doesn't, why those do work for Kiddushin, but Master Shani does not, which, you know, kind of calls the question. It's it's inferred, it's interpreted from the biblical text, but it's done so in like a, a way that kind of puts it in opposition to all these other cases that should be parallel. You know, look, we always talk about that because uh, there's no Seder Zoram Gemara in the bubbly except for Brachos. We get like these little bits and pieces about the Masechtot that are there, Master Shani being one of them. And yes, and as you said, you would expect it to be parallel. And here you see sort of where Master Shani sort of stands out. So I think what's hard for me here is, is that we're only getting one little sort of, you know, bit about it here. But I would love to see it in a broader context. Like, are there other places that distinguish Master Shani as well from other types of, you know, sort of food-based halachot? Yeah, that's a good question. I, If we, you know, again, for our dissertation topic list, we could say how each of these tithings, the gifts that are given, how they each dis- distinct are distinguished from each of the other ones and what they have in common. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to our Vinny Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Thank you.